This week I'm continuing on in my series on prayer. Before we start, I'm actually <clears throat> uh, going to be coming out of Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And I kind of just want to read that. And I'm just going to read it this week. I know the last few weeks we've kind of stand and stood and read them together. Um, since we're going to read God's word, let's, let's just stand and then we'll pray. Again, I remind you, uh, this is God's word. I'm reading out of the ESV uh, version. This is God's word. This is God speaking to us. It's a parable Jesus told to his disciples about prayer so they would not grow discouraged in praying. And uh, so let's just, read, just follow along as I read it, starting in uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He, being Jesus, said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a, for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cried to him day and night and he will delay, and will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let's pray. Let's pray for two things this morning. Let's pray for those boxes that are going to be going out and let's pray that God speaks to us this morning as his people. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we pray. We pray over those, those boxes that we have just sitting in this other room, right? Right across this wall right here. And Father, we have, a, we have about 2,100 boxes in there that are gonna be going out and around the world. And God, we come to you because Father, from everlasting to everlasting, you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no one like you. Father, you measured the universe in the palm of your hand. When you created, you did not ask for help. Father, the creation is your own idea and your own work of power. And so, Father, we come to you because, Father, you've also demonstrated your love towards us in the sending of your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we know of your love. We know of your goodness and your grace towards us. So we pray, God, for those boxes as they go out and as they go into the hands of children around the world that, Father, you would use those boxes to, to reach children for the gospel, that they would know of your grace and of your goodness, that, Father, their families would be impacted, that the missionaries and the pastors in the area, that, Father, would enhance their work, and that, Father, you would pave open doors for them to reach families for Christ. So, God, we ask that you be over those boxes. Father, we also pray and we ask, Father, this morning that you speak to us, your people, that, Father, all the burdens of the week and the, the difficulties of the weeks and the task of the week, that, Father, they would not bear us down, but, Father, that at this time we would have open ears and open hearts to hear what you have to say to us. That, Father, as we approach and we approach as, as a body of believers, that, God, your spirit would move among us and your spirit would work in our hearts and in our lives. That, Father, we would not be the same, but we would be changed as followers of you. And then, Father, as I always pray, Father, I pray, God, you go uh, by all my own iniquities and sins and shortcomings and my inabilities, and, Father, that you would speak, Father, to us 
your people. We want to hear from you today. So God, speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I am continuing this series and the series has been called Pray Like This and we've been going through different markers and today the marker uh, that we're gonna be looking at is persistence. Uh, this, is such a, this is such a fun one. Um, this is not one of those like um, fire and brimstone kind of prayers. In fact, a lot of times um, when we think about persistence, we kind of go, oh, we want to kind of go the other way. Maybe stick our head in the sand and hope we don't hear anything because persistence is really hard when we talk about persistence in prayer. Because when we talk about persistence, we're talking about a continual activity. In fact, I got a definition. I had looked up a definition for persistence. It says a steady persistence in a course of action. In fact, I was trying to find a definition that didn't use the word persistence in it. It was really hard for me, you know, because I was finding different ones. Because, you know, I was always taught when you find a definition where you define something, don't use the same word to define the word itself, and, you know, right? But I guess they couldn't come up with a better, better word. So anyway, steady persistence in a course of action, a purpose, a state, etc especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. So it's a picture of a continual activity in a direction, a state, a purpose, regardless of, regardless of difficulties or obstacles or discouragement. And so what I did is I was kind of looking at that and thinking about biblical prayer. We've been, this is, I think, our fourth week that we've been talking about prayer. And I thought, well, how do I put all those together, biblical prayer? And this is kind of what I came up with. Prayer is the expression of faith in someone who continually or persistently pursues God regardless of opposition, discouragement, or difficulties. There's several things I want to bring out there. One is the expression of faith. We talked about that that first week. Remember I talked about prayer markers or these markers of prayer. So that how do I know that, um, that I'm praying the way that God wants me to pray? That I'm, that I'm going down that path of prayer that God so desires of me. And so when I'm praying, what are the elements that I look at? Most of us, if I were to ask what is prayer, we come up with our prayer list and we say, that's praying. But prayer is so much more. It's more than a list. It's literally a pursuit of God. One of the things that I've been learning through this, through this series, and I hope you have, and I've, I've heard many of you talk about things that you've learned as well, but one of the things I'm learning is prayer is so much more than just a list or a supplication or a request. Prayer is literally a pursuit of God. It's about transformation. It's about God changing and working in my life as I pray. Prayer is, is, uh, prayer is an element of the Christian life that cannot be ignored. If you're gonna be a follower of Christ, prayer is absolutely essential. And so as we've been studying prayer and looking at these prayer markers, that first week we looked at faith and how can you pray without faith? I mean, if, if you didn't pray with, without, without, if you prayed without faith, it'd be just like talking to an imaginary friend, which we're accused of. Or because we have no great imagination or we don't have intellect to be able to figure out problems. So we lazily or ignorantly, however you want to put it, we resort to prayer and we kind of leave it all there and kind of just like, you know, throwing a coin in a wishing well, hope it all works out. Well, if, if we don't have faith when we pray, how is it any different than that? So when we pray, we begin to pray by believing in a, in a God. 
and an almighty God from everlasting to everlasting, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the one that we pray to and we serve because we believe in him. We believe that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. We believe in the work of his son, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that because he now lives, I live in him too, that my life is hid in him, that my life is his life, that I am in Christ. And so we begin to understand that and, that, and we believe that by faith. And we also looked at a couple of weeks ago, worship our Father in heaven, hallowed or sacred be thy name, and that we worship him. We also saw kingdom, having a kingdom-minded aspect to our prayers, that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, where does that begin? It begins in our lives. It begins as we yield ourselves and we begin to, to pray for the things that God is wanting to accomplish. One of the things out of that, that series or that aspect of, uh, of study for me was when I, when I read or studied, when it came out with that, wow, if my life, if my life, if, if, if God answered every prayer I prayed for the last 30, of, 30 days, would only my life change? It made me realize how many times all my prayers are all about me and they're not kingdom minded. They're not about God's will being done on earth and in, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. And so we also looked at last week, dependence, that we depend on him for everything. We're, we're absolutely dependent on God. We're dependent on him for the things he provides physically as well as, as the spiritual things and on how we, how we forgive. It really reflects how we understand how we've been forgiven that when we forgive, we understand that God forgave us and we understand the, the total detriment in which we had no hope, we had no ability to pull ourselves out of, out of, out of the release or dig our, break ourselves free from death and sin, but God did that in the work of his son. And so we realized that we have great dependence on him. We also saw last week that we're involved in a warfare, absolute warfare, let us not into temptation. Why? because there's a spiritual warfare going on. So as we move down these markers, this week we're gonna be talking about persistence. Um, what, we're, what we're doing, what this series has been doing for me, it, is, it has put prayer on my mind constantly. It has challenged me in so many ways. And I pray that it has you. I've heard many of you share different things with me individually, and that's great encouragement. But one of the things I begin to realize is, is that, hey, this is, this is the measure of prayer isn't just what we do in a season, but what we do in a lifetime. It's, it's not just what I do the next three days or three weeks or three months or three years or 30 years. It's, it's is it, am I gonna have that mantle of prayer in my walk with God? And man, it's just challenged me in, in so many ways. So what we're doing is we're, we're kind of tuning up our spiritual discipline of prayer. When we talk about prayer, it's not easy. And we're gonna see that this morning. It's not easy. It's difficult. And it's a discipline. And just as I go in and I have my car tuned up so it runs well, not that it wasn't getting me down the road, but that it runs like it's supposed to. That's what we're doing. We're doing a, a tune-up, if you will, when it comes to this discipline, this spiritual discipline of prayer. And so this morning, we're looking at, we're looking at, <clears throat> at persistence. And we're gonna be in Luke chapter 18 and verses one through eight. And the thing that we're gonna realize right off the bat is by faith, I will not lose heart in prayer. By faith, I will not lose heart in prayer. One of the things I begin to look at 
in this passage. And especially in verse one, there's two things that really jump out at me so that I don't give up on prayer. First thing is there it says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray. Persistent prayer in our lives is not an option. This is Jesus talking to his followers. And when he's talking to his followers, he's telling them they ought to always be in prayer. The second thing that it jumps out at me is he says, and not lose heart. <laughs> it tells me something there when I read that is that prayer is hard. Prayer is difficult. It's a discipline. But I also gain encouragement from this when I read this as well. Why? I started thinking about it. Jesus was anticipating that the disciples were gonna struggle with difficulties when it came to prayer. They were gonna struggle with, with discouragement. They were gonna struggle growing weary. And in some, I guess, maybe a strange way, if you will, I kind of gained encouragement from that, that he knew I was gonna struggle in this. And then I have to realize that prayer is difficult. Prayer is hard. It is something that we have to work on. But we don't lose heart in the middle of the prayer. We don't give up. We keep praying. We might get discouraged. We might grow weary, but we don't give up. We never give up. God can do so much through prayer. When I think about prayer and I realize and I look through scriptures and I realize how much God has done through that person, effective prayers of a, of a righteous man availeth much. It accomplishes much. That when I look at the scriptures, that God wants to do so much through his people who pray. And I don't want to give up. I don't want to miss out on it. And so I asked the question myself. I said, well, why is prayer so hard? I was thinking about some of these things about why it makes prayer so difficult. Why do we struggle with it so much? If I were to go through this room, if we were really honest about our prayer lives, most of us probably wouldn't want to talk about it. I, I, I acknowledged yesterday to God as I was praying, God, I'm just not, still not praying, praying about everything. There's so many things that I just take care of and I do. And so why is it so difficult? Number one, I think our flesh just hates prayer. We have a sinful nature that is, is prone to wander, prone to sin, that old, that old hymn, prone to wander. We have that, that nature within us. We have a sinful nature that, that fights against prayer. And to be honest with you, prayer fights against our sinful nature. You know how I know this? Get on your knees in your house by yourself and pray for 15 minutes and watch what happens. Watch what happens. The battle that will go on in that minute, the battle of, of, of discouragement, you start thinking about other things and, and, and you start going in a different direction. You see, our sinful nature battles against prayer. When we're holding bitterness against one another, when we have sin in our life, when we become apathetic towards the things of God and the ways of God and his righteousness, the last thing we wanna do is prayer. I've never, I've never met a person who is consistently living for God that wasn't praying. And I meet a lot of people who are far from God and the first thing I will ask is, well, tell me about how you talk to God. And they'll say, I haven't talked to him in a long time. It's directly related. So one is our sinful nature. The second, I believe, is our adversary, our Satan himself. He hates sin. 
Do you know of anything else other than God's presence and the word of God and, and of Jesus? Do you know anything else that would make our adversary tremble more than when God's people start praying? He trembles at it. Because it's when we yield ourselves to God and we begin to pray to him that the power of God begins to work. And our adversary wants us to do anything other than that. Yesterday, I was, I was up in my office and I was kind of doing some things and I was working on thinking through some aspects of this message. And all of a sudden I went, oh, an email. And I started doing the email. And I was right in the middle where I was really working at praying about this message today. And all of a sudden I thought email. And like 30 minutes later, 20, 30 30 minutes later, all of a sudden I went, wow, how quick do we get distracted? It's a spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual battle. Why is it so hard to pray? Because it demands focus. It demands a focus in 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 our prayers that we understand we're in a battle and our adversary, he trembles at it. Dear people of God, I said this a few weeks ago, but I'll say it again. What would happen if the people of God committed themselves to persistent prayer? Would our community change? Would our community change? And I think sometimes we have more hope in our votes than we do in our prayers. And dear people of God, that needs to change. Am I saying we shouldn't vote? Absolutely not. Don't take me there if you do. You don't wanna come say it to me because you won't like my response. All right, that's just me, I'm sorry, but don't like it. We need to be praying. We need to be believing in a God that is able to do these things, right? And so our adversary trembles at prayer. The third thing I thought of is that we are tempted not to believe in the power of prayer. Think about that. Honestly, dear people of God, if we really believed in the power of prayer, wouldn't we be praying more? If we really believe that by praying that God would work in a miraculous way, wouldn't we be praying? If we were really honest, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to, but in the deep sides of your heart where you don't really want to admit, wouldn't that be true? I know it would be for me, absolutely. It's as simple as, as, as our belief determines our behavior, isn't it? How I, how I believe will determine how I act. And it's no different in prayer. If I really believe that God's gonna do these things, then why wouldn't I pray? He calls us to be a consistent, a consistent prayer. He tells us to pray. In fact, I have, I have a slide up here of some of the passages. It's in Romans 12, 12, it says, be constant in prayer. Praying at all times, Ephesians 6, 18. Continuing, continue steadfastly in prayer, Colossians 4.2. Pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. If God's word is calling us and telling us to pray, wouldn't God work through prayer? Would God call us to anything if he wasn't willing to do it at the same time? I mean, if God is telling us to pray, isn't he willing to work his power out in prayer? Those are all true and they're difficult and it struggles and we have to work on the discipline of our prayer. He will never command us to do something that he will not do in us. Think about that. He would not call us to to pray and then not do anything. 
He calls us to prayer. It needs to be an aspect of our lives in all that we do. And we must not lose heart because there's so much that the word, the Bible tells us about praying and what God would do. So we cannot lose heart. And Jesus is cheering on and he's encouraging those disciples. Yeah, we must be praying at all times. Do not lose heart. It's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be hard, but don't lose hope. Don't lose heart in your prayers. In fact, if he goes on, he's, Really, by faith, I will persevere in my prayers as well. In verses two and following, we see two characters in this parable. We see the unjust judge. He's an unfair man. He's an unrighteous man is what we learn from him. He, he, was a, he didn't fear God and he didn't give respect to other men. He, had, he, he was just kind of controlled by his own inclinations and his own ideas and his decisions. He really cared less about anybody else. He just did his own thing. And the second person we see in this passage is, is the widow. And the widow in this passage is helpless. She's poor. She couldn't, I mean, this is an unjust judge. She didn't have the funds to be able to bribe him to give her justice. She was, she was, um, she was also had no protector or nobody to speak on her behalf. She only had two things, if you think about it. She was only armed with two things. Number one, with what is right. She didn't ask for vengeance. She was asking for judgments, justice. There's a difference. So apparently what she was asking for was a right that she had. The second thing that she had was just Persistence. I mean, when you think about her, her hope and her strategy in this whole process was just persistence. That was her hope and her strategy. So, so she just, in fact, it tells us in verse five, uh, in verse five it says, yeah, because this widow keeps bothering me, it literally means to causing me trouble. Today we would say causing us, uh, driving us crazy. Uh, when Lydia and I were in, um, and I think it was Maine, we had this, um, Lydia was working in the children's area and we had this little boy that came in and he started out, you know, I want my mommy. And Lydia kind of said, well, mom will come right after the service or something like that. And so he was quiet for a minute and he's thinking, you just, you know, see the wheels turning as a little one can. And all of a sudden he started going, I want my mommy now. I want my mommy now, you know? And he's just like, oh, now what do you do with this kid? And it's kind of the same thing what this widow was doing. Give me justice. It wasn't just in the courtroom, by the way. I would imagine as this man went down to the store, she's just following him. Give me justice. He's walking down the street. Give me justice. Give me justice. Give me justice. It was wearing him down. Everywhere he went, here was the widow. Give me justice. She did not give up. Her persistence was there. Look what it, look what it says in verse 5 as well. It says in verse five, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not, look at these words, beat me down by her continual coming. The word beat me down is a boxing term. It's the idea to kind of hit under the eye. It's the idea of, of a black eye. She had worn him down. She, he had had enough. In fact, probably his reputation was even kind of marred a little bit because he feared not God or respected man. And yet this widow, this poor defenseless widow, widows in the Jewish culture, by the way, were considered the most defenseless in their culture. And here she was, she wore this judge down, okay? There's a couple of things before we move on in this parable that we need to understand. Number one, I believe 
when we're talking about the widow here, we're talking about us, Christians. It's a picture whereby we're needy, defenseless. And the idea that we need justice to come from somewhere else. We, we had that in our salvation. We could not break the chains of, of sin and death. God did that through the sending of his son who set us free and gave us life. And just as he gave us life, we still need him to provide justice. It's gonna come someday. Jesus is gonna return. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. So we need something outside, just like this widow needed a judge, a righteous judge, and all she had was an unjust judge. But the second thing about this parable we need to understand is it is not saying that God is like the unjust judge. God is not unjust. God is not worn out by our continual prayers. God, we know, is is a loving God. He wants to hear from us. He wants to hear our prayers. We know that because we just looked at all those passages that, that call us to pray. Jesus teaching his disciples tells us to always be about prayer and not to lose heart. So our God is, is not like that. But the reason this parable is so power, powerful is because we understand the comparison that's going on. The picture is if this unjust judge who doesn't care about God or man, if he would give this widow justice, how much more will our God give us? How much more? You see, the, the, the picture of persistent prayer is it's understanding that God is ready to do so much more. When we come to pray, that's why I think one of the reasons why prayer is so difficult is because we lose faith. And we don't believe in, in the power of persistent prayer. And we lose faith as we, as we approach him. And one of the things this parable is saying that Jesus is teaching his disciples, don't lose heart. Why? Because God is ready to answer. You keep praying. Why? Because God still is answering your prayers. We, we are so impatient and we're quick to give up. But Jesus is challenging them to pray. I have this quote from E.B. E. Bounds. Um, if you remember, E.B. Bounds was, uh, in fact, I think I still have some left back there from the studies from a couple weeks ago to just do on your side, but one of them has a list of books. And one of the books that I listed was uh, The Complete Works of E.B. Bounds because he he's just writes so many good things on, on prayer. But he said, there is, no ple- there is no plead so effective as persistent prayer and none which God surrenders himself so fully and so freely. Think about that. What he's saying here is that God's desire to see a persistent prayer is is so effective that he's so ready to respond to us. You see, when we give up on prayer, I think we miss out. I think too many times we pray for a week and we go, God didn't answer us. I've heard that so many times when people walk away from Christianity, give up on the church and go, well, I prayed and God didn't answer. How long did you pray? Well, I prayed a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, that's persistent prayer. That was really telling God how important it was to you, how much you wanted to see God involved in your life, how much you wanted to see God involved in that situation, how much you wanted to see God to deliver and to answer your prayer. Two weeks, that's it. None of us would give up on our children in two weeks. We spend a lifetime. I've I've got 31 years on my oldest. And it doesn't give up. 
And, there's, and unlike my father in heaven, I make a lot of mistakes and have made many mistakes. But our father in heaven is perfect and loving and to trust him. Now, George Mueller, a great man of prayer, if you know anything about him, he will convict you if you read him. George Mueller in 1844 began to pray for five individuals to be saved and he began to pray every day without interruption. And he goes on and he says, in 18 months, the first person he prayed for was converted. Five years later, the second person was converted. Six years later, the third person was converted. 32 years later, 32 years, praying every day without interruption. This is what he wrote. He wrote that the other two sons of a good friend were still not saved by the gospel. But then he says, I have hope in God. 32 years of praying, I have hope in God and I pray on and I look for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. Do you hear the persistence? Do you hear the faith? In 1897, 52 years after he began praying daily without interruption for these men, they were finally saved in Christ Jesus. This after George Mueller had passed away. Are you willing to give up a lifetime? Is, there, is, is it so important that you, this, hey, dear people, God, let me, let me say this. This is so challenging to me, to me personally. And I know it may be challenging you to you this morning if you're interacting with this message, trusting God to speak to you. And it's challenging. We don't need to be discouraged. When I read this, it encourages me not to give up. To understand that God wants to hear from us. That God wants us to pray. And that we need to continue to pray. That we are never to give up. Because when we give up, you know what? We miss out. What if he had given up? Would he have missed out the work of God? You see, prayer is so much more than just a request Prayer is about transformation. Prayer is about pursuing God. And when we pursue him, he changes us. And his goal for us is that we be more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And he begins to change us that we might put on righteousness and godliness and kindness and love. But that happens when we pray. And when we don't pray and then the tragedies of life come crashing in and we wonder, where is God? Why is it so quiet? You're just, you're just, you just haven't built the relationship. You don't understand how he works. You're working on your schedule. You're working on your timetable. You're working on your ways. And prayer is not about me. It's about him. And as I pray and I get to know him and I see his hand, it encourages me to pray more and more and not to grow weary and not to lose heart. Jesus is cheering on these disciples that they would not give up, that they would not lose heart, that they would continue to pray. Look, if you will, as he goes on in verses six and, uh, through eight and verse seven, actually, he says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cried to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Do you believe that? <laughs> um, I have this, 
I'm, right now, I'm going to share something, and some of y'all are going to get offended. I just know that. I'm just telling you right now. Because I'm going to talk about cats and dogs, so you already know, right? All right? I am a dog person, okay? And I'm not trying to upset anybody, but for the sake of the illustration, I want you to understand what's going on. I am not a dog person. If there were no cats in the world, I would be perfectly fine. I'd be perfectly happy. I'm sorry for all the cat lovers out there. Hang on for a minute, okay? So, so we have three pets right now. We have two dogs and a cat. We've had this cat 19 years. Okay, for 19 years, I've lived with this cat. All right, this cat entered my house because of my children. David, my youngest, was like a year old when this cat entered into our lives. I did not think we would have this cat this long. Okay, <laughs> just being honest here. All right, this cat and I have learned how to exist separately. He cut. <laughs> He cuddles with everybody else in the house. He knows better than to come cuddle with me, okay? Just, 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 just so you understand, we have our differences. I'm making that very clear. Well, a few years ago, three or four years ago, this cat has developed a meow that is just unbelievable. Like most kitties, you know, like meow, meow, they're just kind of sweet and just, you know. This cat, when he gets hungry, he has the most incredible meow. I mean, it's like, and he, and he doesn't just do it like once. I mean, he's like, and me who hates cats, okay, who could care less if there was a cat in this world will get up and go over to the fridge and get the food out and flop it down in his dish so he will shut up, all right? So here's the power of this, of this parable. If me a person who could care less about cats will get up and feed a cat. How much more will God do when his children pray? Yeah, that's an amen. Wake up. That's right. I heard one over there. That's an amen. How much more will God do? I mean, now I can't feed this cat without thinking about this parable. I mean, this whole week, I'd be flopping it down there going, all right, God, this is why you gave me this cat for 19 years. So I learned the value of how much you want to hear from me, right? I don't know. But I mean, that's what God is doing. How much more will he answer us? How much more? And, and dear people of God, to be honest, we lose faith. We lose heart. But God is ready to hear from us. And look what he says. He says, he says in verse eight, and I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Now I struggle with that because I want, I'm not a patient person. I don't like going play. If there's a line, it's like, okay, let's go home because I don't like lines. I don't like, I'm not patient, right? And we do that in our prayers, don't we? We pray for a week, we pray for two weeks. Oh, God didn't answer. But God has a different timetable. God's, God's a God's uh, concept of time is vastly different than our concept. Second Peter chapter three, verses eight and nine, if you'll put that up for me, um, says this, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Now listen to this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. Sometimes we say, God, you're kind of slow about this. But God's not slow as the way some would count it, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should uh, reach repentance. And in the context, he's dealing with judgment and so forth there. But I think this is still a good illustration 
of, of the fact that God's timetable isn't the same as ours. And I pray and, and, I, and I'm like, okay, God, uh, come on, let's get it going, God. This is how you gotta answer this. This is what needs to be done. Come on, God, let's get it going, let's get it going. Oh, we didn't answer and we walk away. We give up, we quit. And this is where faith breaks down on it in the whole passage. In fact, if you look in verse eight, in the last, the last phrase, he says, nevertheless, when the son of man returns, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith? When Jesus comes, will he find his people praying? Will he find his people believing? You see, this is where faith and prayer rise and fall together. Faith or prayer ask. Faith trusts God to answer. Why do we quit praying? Because we quit believing God's gonna answer. And we miss out on what God is doing. And so faith and prayer, they rise and fall together. Faith leads to prayer. Prayer leads to faith. They're interchangeable. You do not pray unless you have faith. And if you have faith, you will pray. They're, they're interchangeable. You see, when prayer is asking, faith is waiting for the answer. When I was a kid, we used to play this game, and I was kind of apprehensive about sharing this, but we used to play that game, you know, we ring the doorbell. See, today is we do everything online. But, you know, when we were kids, we didn't have phones and stuff, so we created our own entertainment, and you go ring the doorbell, and you run and hide and watch the people open the door, look around, right? And there's tons of variations of that game, which we won't get into, but <laughs> nevertheless, um, you know, you ring the door, right? And you get over there, and you, well, I think we do the same thing with God. We kind of like, we're ringing the doorbell, and we say our prayer, and oh, he didn't answer, so we go, and we miss out on what God is intending. We miss out in our prayers. Prayer asks, faith waits. You know, I don't have all the answers and how all this, all this works, but this I know that Jesus is teaching his disciples right here that God will answer. Do you have the faith to wait? Are you willing to pray 50 years for somebody? Are you willing to, to, to seek God out? And, and we don't have time where I get in all the reasons why God waits, I think. I have a couple of them at least. Are you, do, you have, do you have faith? You see, when Jesus returns, will he find his church believing and praying? You don't separate those. They, they rise and they fall together. When God comes, will NBC be a praying church? Will we be a praying people? Now, don't be discouraged today. Be, be encouraged that you have a loving God, an eternal father, who wants to hear from you, who wants you to cry out to him. And he promises to hear you. He promises to answer. Let's pray. Father God, I just, um, I just pray that Father, your spirit moves among us, your people. We're here, many of us are here for all kinds of different reasons, Father, this morning. And I, and I pray your spirit would speak to each and every one. Father, some we came and maybe our faith is weak and our knees and our arms have grown weak, Father, and we're losing heart. Father, encourage, encourage not to give up, not to keep, not to quit praying, not to lose heart in prayer. Father, some may come and came and they're just, they're just been kind of doing their life, doing their thing and realize that, Father, uh, prayer's kind of gone a long ways down the road and it's time to start. Let us not feel discouragement or shame or father, but let us be encouraged that Jesus told us that we're always to be praying and, 
And we're not gonna lose heart. It's gonna be difficult at times. But oh God, will you move among your people and draw us to yourself that we might pray. In Jesus' name.